welcome to episode eight of the Teaming Up podcast from the Hodges Partnership. In this episode, you'll get to listen to Amanda and Evans talk about the state of the media, how to determine if your news is in fact newsworthy, setting expectations with clients, media relations tips and tricks, and more. Never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now sit back and enjoy. Good morning. I'm so excited. I, yeah, excited to talk about some earned media. Yes. Um, well, Evans, do you want to kick us off and just give us a little background on earned media and the importance of it and maybe a little bit about how it's evolved, um, you know, since Hodges first started? I would love to. I mean, so I have been at Hodges for three years and from day one, I think I was really thrown into the deep end with media relations and being here, I've been able to learn from some of the best in the industry, but just in my three years, it definitely has changed. Um, the biggest thing for me and the most obvious thing is newsrooms continue to get smaller. Mm-hmm. So our opportunities are definitely fewer and farther between because I'm not sure. I, I, I probably should know better about why the newsrooms are shrinking its budgets. And I think a lot of big corporations are trying to save money. But well, I think a lot of that is that everything is digital now. I mean, even over these last few years, a lot of our work has shifted to sort of the social media space and people are getting their news on social media. And so I I think the digital um, just everything evolving digitally is is definitely a tribute to that. Yeah. But to get back to, you know, the importance of media relations and why we do it, I think a lot of people and a lot of companies are like, we want to get those media placements because it's going to drive business. Obviously, that's part of the equation. You know, sometimes we might land a story for a nonprofit client, which leads to a hefty donation. But I think the biggest thing with media relations and why it's so important to us is it gives us that third party credibility. You know, it you can all day write about your organization and what you do and why the work is important. But to have that third party credibility, a new source talking about your work, it really gives you in your organization and your mission that much more credibility. And I think that's why we preach to our clients that yes, media relations still is a very important piece of that puzzle. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think a big piece of when, you know, we, come up with our strategy for clients and putting them or setting expectations up and being realistic about that is, you know, what makes your news newsworthy, which is really the talk topic about what we'll be talking about today. Obviously clients want to see themselves in the biggest national outlets. They, you know, their top outlets are USA Today and Forbes and the Today Show. And while we have had success with some clients getting in outlets like that, um, we don't typically start things off or that's not typically our first goal. So talk to me about how we determine what is newsworthy or or what that really even means. Yes, there are many facets to that question. So (laughs) I'm going to start with something I remember from school like four or five years ago was that 
if it bleeds, it leads, you know, in the news. So as a culture, as a people, I think we are drawn to the scintillating topics, um, whether, yeah, whether it's crime or it's violence. Unfortunately, a lot of times if you watch a newscast, those are going to be the types of stories that lead. But when it comes to our clients and talking to them about what's newsworthy, honestly, I heard this the other day and I, I kind of connected with it. It was, there are no bad stories. They're just bad storytellers. So really almost anytime we talk to a client or someone there, we are going to be able to tell their stories. It's just a matter of finding where to do it. You know, you talked about USA Today, Wall Street Journal. Yes. If we're talking about a nonprofit here in Richmond, who's doing something pertaining to the Richmond community, there is a chance that a large outlet like the New York Times will cover it. But we're going we're going to start with CBS six, the local television station or the Richmond Times dispatch, because that is the first audience for that nonprofit or that corporation. And I do want to say, too. I think at times people don't understand the importance of local news, but truly they are the stations, the people in the outlets that put these big national stories that we hear about ultimately, you know, in the New York times, they are the ones who are covering the stories first. So they are the feeders to the big boys, which is why I put so much weight and so much credence into the local media relations to start off with. Yeah, definitely. And you made a really good point about it's, Finding the right storyteller, whether it's finding the right contact or finding the right outlet, um, sometimes things might not be something we want to pitch to the local paper of record, right? And so that's where we can look for other opportunities. Um, and I think within that, it's you know industry specific too. I think going to trade media, going to an outlet that specifically focuses on our clients' expertise and their, you know, industries and um, the topics that they are experts in is is important too. So it's, it's really, like you said, finding the right platform to tell the story. Yeah, no, 100%. Honestly, that's why I have so much fun with media relations these days, because there are so many avenues that we can go down, whether it's a trade publication or a podcast or a blog or influencer relations or just, yeah, your paper record. There are so many different places that we can tell stories and find success for our clients. So that's, it can be a little bit overwhelming. I think for, for me, for other PR practitioners but at the end of the day we have so many opportunities to tell the stories and you know shout out to Cision we do have tools that help us find some reporters and outlets but yeah I mean at the end of the day it's really patience it's working relationships it's knowing the media landscape and knowing when and how to tell the stories Um, something that we talked about when we were just doing a little pre-run of this was at the end of the day, we also have no editorial control over the news Mm -hmm. stories that we are working with. We also have no control over the news cycle. So here in Virginia, we have gotten quite a bit of snow lately and snow and winter weather. That is something that 
media consumers love. Um, I think it's because we all just kind of go back to our childhood days and we're like, ooh, snow. So whenever a snow event is coming, pretty much you can expect all the news coverage for a day or a couple days to be revolving around the snow. So if we have an announcement or we're working with a client to go out with a news story and we see a big weather event coming, we might recommend we might want to save this for if the snow event's coming on a Thursday. Yeah, we might want to save this for next Monday. Go with it because ultimately, you know, the weather team, the reporters, they're going to be covering that snow. So it's it's kind of it's really paying attention to the news cycle. I know that it hodges just about all of us here are news junkies. So whether we're scrolling Twitter or reading a physical paper or just, you know, all of our news alerts, we are we're very plugged into the news cycle and what's going on. Yeah, it's definitely important for us to make sure that we're paying attention to the news. And, you know, everything that you said, I think, is captured in one word when it comes to what determines if something is newsworthy and will you get coverage. And that's, you know, like you said, it's timing. I think, um, you know, you mentioned the snow. We're also in the middle of the general or not the, the general assemblies in the middle of their special session right now. So that's another thing that our local news outlets are likely going to be really focusing on. And so it's looking at your client's topic or potential news that they want to share out in a release or a pitch or whatever that might be. And is, is this evergreen? Is this timely? And really making your decisions on if you're going to pitch this news based on, you know, how relevant it is timing wise. Um, that's definitely an important factor. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that kind of gets into the news jacking thing, right? So we right. work with a shipping and logistics company and with the pandemic and supply chain issues, that has been a story from local markets to national and international. So something that we have really honed in on with that client is they deal in that space. So we've been able to kind of localize that story in markets across the country and how the supply chain is panning out in these different markets. And so that's just an example of, you know, taking a national story that affects just about everyone and kind of localizing it across the country with someone that we work with. And something I do want to talk about too is with a national company, like the one we work with, they have data. And whenever we can take data to news sources, that's, it's of huge interest. So um, localizing national storylines through data and uh, spokespeople on the ground across the country is something that I really like to do. Yeah, sometimes it's not just getting reporters to write about, you know, whatever the news or announcement might be, but it's really positioning our clients as subject matter experts in their industries. Um, I feel like this is a good transition into talking about some tips and strategies that we use for, you know, determining if things are newsworthy and, you know, is it worth a pitch or a release or maybe it's worth putting on your own personal blog post if it's, you know, maybe not quite there. It is positioning our experts as uh, subject matter experts. And so that's where we do hone into the trade media and looking at editorial calendar opportunities or where can we get an or, or contributed piece. Um, so it might not necessarily be having a reporter tell the story, but it's us telling our own stories in those opportunities uh, or not us, but telling stories for our clients in those earned opportunities. And I think that's also where, you know, op-eds come into play as well. 
Um, and then I know, you know, another piece of low hanging fruit here is if there are any announcements about new hires or um, anything like that, it's um, pitching to, you know, the local biz sense or, or getting those sort of regular roundups and, and inclusion and things like that as well. So that those are typically our lower hanging fruit ways of, you know, getting earned coverage for some clients. Yeah. And again, it's just about knowing the landscape and knowing where we do have opportunities for that. So, yeah, if it's a board announcement, you know, new board appointments or making an announcement about Hodges working with a new client. Yes, we do have opportunities to talk about that in the local Richmond biz sense. When it comes to identifying stories, again, I think any story can be a story, but I also like to set expectations low just because we do not ultimately control the editorial content of a news outlet. But, you know, on a local level, is the news going to impact viewers? Is it going to impact readers? So that's the first thing we want to see, you know. So what if a local grocery store was not going to open tomorrow? That, you know, it might not seem like a big story, but it potentially is going to affect thousands of people in a market. So, you know, that's likely going to get some news coverage. Or again, let's talk about what's going on now, the ongoing pandemic. So if there is news pertaining to testing or vaccines, vaccine availability, you know, that's going to get coverage because 90, 80% of the population wants to know about that. So those are the types of things, you know, timing and is it applicable to lots of people? Yeah, definitely. I think another thing that really helps us in our line of work is something that you touched on earlier, um, but it's relationships. I mean, we are regularly working with local, national trade editors, contacts, writers. And so a lot of time there is some synergy with our clients in different industries sort of coming together or falling along the same vein of industries or specific topics. And so when we've already established relationships over the years with different reporters, you know, we're able to go back to them with new clients and new stories and similar topics. Um, and that really helps to be able to break through. Um, I think if you are a media relations professional or your PR person who does media relations, you've probably had way more of your pitches unanswered than answered. And it can be very frustrating. And again, that's where we really leverage our relationships um, vice versa to that within us talking about relationships is, you know, there are some different trade outlets and national outlets where I've built relationships with writers over the years. And they're now sending me, you know, the next story that they're talking about where I can sort of look at my client list and say, you know, who is a fit for this if they are. And so that's where we really, really do leverage those relationships because um, now we have writers coming to us for story topics and you know we can pick from our clients of you know who's a fit 100 percent, yeah that really resonated with me because i think a lot of times us at hodges we really just want one shot you know to work with a reporter because if we get that one shot we're going to show them that we are going to deliver because i was thinking about this earlier you know, at the end of the day, reporters, they're people too, just trying to do their jobs and trying to turn the best story possible, whether it's local, national, they just want the best story possible. So that means us being able to supply them 
with good spokespeople, good data, compelling information. And yes, if we can provide that to them time and time again, Mm-hmm. we kind of transition to the point where, yes, they're coming to us. I don't think there's any better feeling as a PR person <laughs> than when a reporter is asking you, hey, like, are any of your clients doing some good work? Uh, I'd love to do a story with you again. So I think that that makes me happiest. Um, sounds like it yeah. makes you pretty happy, too. Yeah, I think as we talk about this, too, it makes me think of one other thing when we're talking about setting client expectations And that is that we do need their time and availability too. The worst thing that I experience is when we have a national writer or a really great opportunity for for coverage and our client is unavailable or doesn't want to do the interview. So that's where we work together. It's not just on our client, but it's us making sure that our media list and our media targets are the right outlets with what their goals might be. And that they do understand, like, there might be a time where you have to drop what you're doing because the reporter wants to talk with you within the next hour to make sure that you can be included in tomorrow's paper. And so that's where we set expectations as far as what we need from our clients. Um, And then again, you know, making sure that before we even start pitching, things are approved and we're all on the same page. Yeah. No, you said that perfectly. The expectation (laughs) setting is so important and including you know, scheduling, checking on spokespeople's schedules before you even start pitching and Mm -hmm. ensuring that they know you might have to drop what you're doing and get this interview in. The interview might take 15 minutes itself, but a lot lot of times there's more groundwork that takes place before then, whether it's just prep sessions, talking point creation. So yeah, having all of that ready to go so that if there is a bite, you can just act Mm -hmm. on it quickly and feel that everyone's prepared. That is critical. Right, right. I think the last thing, too, with expectations is um, timing again, but in a different way. And that is that media relations takes time. It's one thing when it is a very timely um, update that needs to be covered within the next week or two um, because of the nature of whatever the the content might be. And, you know, if news outlets don't pick up that news because we're in the middle of a, a, a special session with the GA or it's, you know, there's a snow blizzard coming and, and they don't happen to pick it up and it's now no longer newsworthy or timely in a week or two. That's where we do, you know, fall into our earned content and, and you're still able to get placements and raise awareness and get eyes on it in a different avenue. When we are pitching our clients as subject matter experts, anything that's evergreen or that will be continuously, you know, sort of timely that's where we need to set expectations where media relations does take time. Um, it takes follow-ups. It takes time researching and finding the right writer, the right um, outlet. And so that's where we, it's important to set expectation with our clients in that way as well. Yeah. Something I do want to mention too with timing is just, you mentioned follow-ups. One of my favorite things on Twitter is following reporters. And sometimes they'll do a screenshot of their inboxes. The amount of emails that reporters are receiving from PR people, from everyone, it's just ridiculous, and especially newsrooms. So at times, if you don't get a response, it's not because they don't like you or they don't like your story pitch. It's because they are getting so many. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's why it is effective to build that trust with reporters sometimes. So if they see your name, they open your email immediately. But a lot of times... If they're out in the field, they're going to miss your email. So that's why it's important 
to send follow-ups. I like to send, I think I'm one of the earliest risers at Hodges, but I, I like to send pitches super early in the morning, sometimes 6.45 or 7. So if I know someone's a morning reporter and they're going to log on around 8, I think I'll have a better chance because my email is sitting there. Either I'm going to annoy them, like, oh, my gosh, he's emailing me before I'm even working, or I'm going to be one of the first that they see. So I've, I've found some success in that and kind of work around when I'm up. So, but yeah, early morning pitching. Also, something I've heard a lot about, which I haven't done too much, though, is if you want to do a story on a Monday, sending a pitch on a Sunday afternoon to get it. Um, to the weekend producers to pass along to the the weekday producers. I've I've heard that people are successful that way as well. Awesome, yeah. Again, it's knowing your target audience. It's knowing the the reporters that we're pitching. Um, I've pit. I mean, I've worked with reporters that are um, writing for U.S. outlets, but they're based in Germany or the U.K. And so I'm pitching them at like, I don't know really odd hours of my schedule because I know that they're six hours ahead. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's the same thing too. With if you're working to place a story in California, you know, you're not going to send a pitch at 7 a.m. Eastern time because I mean, it's going to come through at 4 a.m. over there. So yeah, it's just, I have not sent or worked with anyone in Europe. So that sounds interesting. I'm sure it'll happen eventually. <laughs> Yeah. So those are, I mean, yeah, these are a lot of good things to consider when, you know, media relations is something that you want to do. Um, I don't know what, what have we missed or what have we not covered? I feel like we've, we've captured the realm of what we do on a day-to-day basis. I think it's good. I mean, I love media relations. Uh, as I said earlier, I'm a news junkie, so it is a lot of fun still to Mm -hmm. see a story that you've worked with a client on go to print or air so yeah i still find a lot of joy in it it's even though newsrooms are shrinking i don't think our industry is going anywhere and the importance Mm -hmm. of good stories and in the news it's just as important as ever but i think yes definitely more difficult to get them now yeah definitely Cool. Well, thanks for sharing all of your media relations expertise with us, Evans. I had so much fun, Amanda. Thank (laughs) you for having me. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Cut.